We read God's word, let us pray. Gracious God, give us humble, teachable and obedient hearts that we may receive what you have revealed and do what you have commanded. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. Amen. Today's reading today is taken from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 to 20. This is God's holy word. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly, as I should. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Mandy. Good morning. It's great to see you. When you left the house this morning, did you remember to lock your door? When you, if you drove here today uh, in your car, did you buckle your seatbelt? It's getting colder, as Mark said, so did you remember to put on a jacket? And if you have medication, did you remember to take it? We tend to be pretty good, don't we, at protecting ourselves physically and caring for our physical well-being. But what about our spiritual protection? What about our spiritual well-being? I wonder if we're as conscious, as vigilant at uh, caring for our spiritual well-being and spiritual protection. Well, by the end of this morning, I pray that we will take our spiritual protection and well-being as serious as our physical protection and well-being. This morning, we are in the book of Ephesians, another church and group of Christians who also need to hear this. The Ephesian Christians were facing big threats from society around them. Being a minority in a culture hostile to them and their God, they feel so small and weak. Does that sound familiar? We as small churches in a hostile surrounding culture, we feel pressure, don't we, to conform to society's new moral standards. And from conversation with some of you over the last few months, I know that many of you guys, many of us in our workplaces and networks are also feeling the heat 
around certain hot-button political topics. We feel so small and weak. Well, in chapter 1, Paul reassures the Ephesians and us that our God is a sovereign God who has a marvellous plan to unite all things in his son Jesus. And we, the church, we get prime position in his plan by being united to Christ as his body. And so this morning, this passage, are Paul's last words to the Ephesians in his letter to them. And so let's hear what Paul has to say to them, and therefore what Paul has to say to us this morning. Kicking off with our first point, stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in the Lord. Verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Be strong in God, in his mighty power. Not in your own power or strength, in God's. And to do that, we have to put on God's armor. And when we do, we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. In God's strength, we can stand firm. What are we up against, though? What what do we need full armor for? The, The devil's schemes. That doesn't sound terribly scary, does it? Let's keep reading in verse 12. Oops, not yet. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Well, that escalated quickly. Our struggle is not primarily physical. It's spiritual. Spiritual rulers, spiritual authorities, dark spiritual powers, spiritual forces of evil. So do you see that we're actually engaged in a terrifying battle? We are up against horrifying enemies. And the worst part is you can't even see them. What Paul is doing here is pulling back the curtain on the spiritual world. He's unveiling the scary spiritual realities behind the physical realm. But Paul is confident that we can stay safe if we put on the armor of God. Have a look at verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything... To stand. We can be strong in God if we put on God's armor, and then we can stand our ground and stand firm. Now, notice it's standing firm, not advancing. Right? It's not go and conquer more land for God. No, it's stay where you are. It's not go on the offensive and destroy your enemies. 
It's stand and defend yourself against such terrifying enemies. We are to stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm. And so it's worth pausing just a bit to just get our head around the spiritual realm. Now, I've heard someone say recently that Christians either uh, focus too much or too little on the spiritual world and spiritual realm. So there's the, the, the person, everything is a spiritual battle. Oh, no, I missed the bus today. I'm in a spiritual war. But on the other end, they live like it doesn't even exist. And I wonder whether most of us are in the second one. We live like it doesn't even exist. Even as Christians, our modern society has pulled the wool over our eyes. We only consider the physical material world all that there is. And I wonder why, I wonder whether that partly helps explain why our culture is, uh, big temptations are materialism and greed, physical things. In this way, I think we can learn from our fellow Christians in other cultures who are very concerned with spiritual activity. And don't forget that a large chunk of Jesus' ministry was engaging with demons and casting them out. The spiritual realm is very much alive and kicking. I think Paul wants us to be, what he wants us to be is confidently aware not naively oblivious, but not fearfully paranoid, confidently aware. Confident in God, knowing what is against us, but standing firm with his armor on. And that brings us to our second point for this morning, suit up with gospel armor. Stand firm in the Lord by suiting up with gospel armor. And in this bit, Paul is really painting for us a vivid image, isn't he? But it's not just mere imagery, as if using our imagination, we're using our imagination to pretend. Right? If our spiritual enemies are, yes, unseen, but real, then our armor is also real, though unseen. And so what do we need to arm ourselves with against these scary spiritual enemies? Let's have a look at verse 14. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So it's truth, righteousness, readiness from the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, the word of God. I wonder what you make of these things. Are they what you expected? Are you surprised to see such mundane things? 
or against such scary spiritual enemies? Were you hoping to be armed with power, supremacy, dominance? But actually, these are precisely what we need against Satan and his armies. You see, Revelation 12.10 tells us that Satan's main weapon against us is accusation. He constantly reminds and accuses us of our guilt for sin. And so do you see why the gospel then is precisely what we need? This gospel armor is precisely what we need against Satan and his spiritual armies. And so to suit up with gospel armor, we soak our hearts in the gospel. Soak your mind and heart in the gospel. And actually, this suit of armor is actually made of stuff that Paul has already spoken about earlier in this letter to the Ephesians. So, truth. Truth is grasping the full reality that God has raised Jesus from the dead and has also raised us up with him in new life. And he said that in chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. Righteousness, the complete expression of all that is good and virtuous, as God makes us holy and blameless. And he said that in chapter 1, verse 4. Readiness, always being prepared and primed to share the gospel of peace, which reconciles and unites all sorts of people. Talked about that in chapter 2, verse 13 to 17. Faith, which according to Paul here, is specifically to extinguish the arrows of Satan, the devil. Right? And if his main weapon is accusing us of our guilt and guilt for sin, then what faith does is it redirects us to Jesus, the one who has paid for our guilt by dying on the cross and then rising from the dead. Salvation, the amazing rescue that God orchestrates to bring us from death to life in Christ. That's the beginning of chapter 2. And finally, the word. It's striking, isn't it, that this is the only offensive weapon in this suit of armor. It's the word. We have the Bible, God's word of truth, that proclaims to us the gospel of our salvation. Chapter 1, verse 13. It's our weapon against Satan's accusations and lies. And Our Lord Jesus himself, didn't he use it at his temptation by Satan in the wilderness? That is the armor of God. And so suit up. Suit up with the armor of God. Again, notice it's, you know, standing firm, not advancing. Right? The only offensive weapon is the sword, which is the word. But everything else is defensive, isn't it? It's armor to protect yourself. And the reason why we are only defending is that Jesus has already achieved victory. He has already gone on the offensive and won. Flick back to chapter 1, verses 20 to 23. He, 
that is God, raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Jesus has already won the war. All those scary rulers and authorities, powers and forces, where are they? They're under Jesus' feet. Jesus, the conqueror, he's standing there with his foot on their necks. Right? They're still thrashing around. They can still do some stuff, but they are defeated. Jesus has already won the war. Jesus is, Jesus is raised from the dead and seated at God's right hand, seated above all earthly and spiritual powers. And we, as Christ's body, are also there with him, sitting safely and confidently, armed with Christ's body armor. So firstly, I, I want to ask each and every one of you, are you there with Christ? Are you on his side? Are you safe with Christ? Or are you still in the danger zone, on the battlefield with no protection? Without Christ, you are exposing yourself to the dangers of the spiritual world. You are a walking target, a sitting duck. And one day, Jesus, the victorious king, will return as the judge, and he will call everyone to account. Those of us who are not on Jesus' side will face judgment for our sin and rebellion against him. And if we have not trusted in Jesus' death and resurrection for our sins, we will join the defeated rulers and authorities and powers. Jesus will banish us along with them into everlasting punishment, away from all that is good and pure, away from him. So if you haven't already, I implore you, come to Jesus. Get off the battlefield and join Jesus' victorious side for protection. And for we who are already on Christ's winning side, we need to protect ourselves with his armour. We need to suit up by soaking our minds and hearts in the gospel. Right? So just think about your everyday spiritual disciplines, but picture yourself suiting up. Right? So I'm thinking about an example, my daily morning Bible reading and prayer. So when I open my Bible, I'm picking up the sword of the word. When I'm meditating on a truth in the passage, I'm buckling on my belt of truth. When I'm reminding myself that God is good and right, I'm strapping on the breastplate of righteousness. Even though I still struggle with sin, I assure myself that I'm good with God, and that's securing my helmet of salvation. And I think of ways to share this great news with others I'm putting on my boots with readiness of the gospel of peace. And as I pray, 
I'm taking up the shield of faith. So do you see these seemingly mundane things that we do as we live for Jesus? They take on a whole new significance and importance and urgency when we realize what we are really and actually doing. Though they look unremarkable physically, they take on huge spiritual power when we see how they defend us against the scary spiritual world. Soak your mind in the gospel. The gospel, the good news, is that Jesus has won the war. So suit up with gospel armor, and then you will stand firm in the Lord. And so it makes sense, then, that to fortify all our efforts to defend and protect ourselves, we must depend on God. And so we must pray. And that brings us to our third and final point for this morning. Saturate yourselves with gospel prayers. Oh, sorry. I can only see point two in Ephesians 1 here. Yeah, cool. Okay, we'll just go off that. Um, Stand firm in the Lord by suiting up with gospel armor and saturating yourselves with gospel prayers. Paul wants us to pray for three things. Firstly, pray for everything. Secondly, pray for Christians. Thirdly, pray for gospel proclamation. Let's read from verse 18. I'll just let you guys do this, yeah, from now on. Verse 18. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given me, so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. If we are defending against spiritual enemies, we need God's help. So we need to pray. All sorts of prayers, all sorts of requests on all occasions. Right? In other words, pray for anything. Pray for everything. Pray for big things and small things, long-term issues, short-term needs, happy prayers, sad prayers, long prayers, short prayers. Pray for anything and pray for everything. Secondly, keep praying for fellow Christians, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's interesting there Paul has that command to be alert, right? Be alert. It kind of conveys that they need protection as well from spiritual forces. Satan's spiritual armies love to see Christians giving up their faith and walking away from Jesus. So we need to pray for each other. Pray for each other. And not just our fellow Christians in our lives, but brothers and sisters around the world, especially in those countries where it's really hard to be a Christian. They might be experiencing intense persecution, or life might be just so hard for them that they're considering walking away from Jesus. So we must pray for spiritual protection for them as well. Pray for each other. And thirdly, Paul wanted the Ephesians to pray for him, 
as he proclaimed the gospel, as he declared the good news of Jesus. And thankfully, they must have prayed hard because the gospel continued to spread throughout the ancient world back then and has even spread to us here. And it continues to spread to the ends of the earth even now. You see, specifically, Paul asks for prayers for words to be given to him to make known the mystery of the gospel and courage to declare it fearlessly. Aren't those great things to pray for us and our brothers and sisters in Christ all over the world, that we would keep courageously speaking and proclaiming of God's glorious gospel? Pray for everything, pray for Christians, pray for gospel proclamation. Saturate yourselves with gospel prayers. So how is your prayer life coming along? It's so hard, isn't it? Completely resonate with a difficult prayer life. And one of the ways that I try to keep my prayer life active, which some of you I might have told already, is to have a prayer diary. Um, it's quite overwhelming to, um, to make sure I cover all the people I want to pray for. So what I do is I have a weekly cycle of groups of people that I pray for. So for example, I pray for you guys, my church family, on Mondays. I figure I've just seen you the day before, so I can pray for you the next day, along with my daily Bible reading in the morning. Prayer diary. Another thing I've just recently tried to do to saturate my day with prayer is to just throw up one-sentence prayers when I need it and when I feel like it. Just a one-sentence, half-a-sentence prayer, very quick. So right before a conversation with someone, I'll just pray that it goes well and that I can point them to Jesus. And if that conversation goes well, I'll just very quickly thank God for it. Or right before I start a piece of work, I'll pray that God helps me to be productive and that I can entrust the result to him. That's it. Just a sentence. You see, this way, I'm trying to speak to God to pray to him constantly throughout the day. Right? Nothing fancy. God, our Heavenly Father, loves to hear from his children. He loves to hear from them. But we also need him to to help us stand firm. Finally, I just want to finish with some thoughts about weakness. I've been thinking about these this the last couple of years, and especially um, working with um, students at uni. Um, as you know, I'm, I'm based on campus, work, um, preaching the gospel to students at Melbourne Uni. Especially working with them post-COVID, um, I feel like we've some of us have been chatting. We've been starting to see possibly the medium and long-term effects of what it, what it looks like to go through a pandemic and then try to return to normal life. We're just not able to do the same things as before. Our capacity has changed. Right? We want to be productive. We have so many plans to do so many things. But after going through a period where actually our lack of control was so obvious, many of us also deep down, we desire and crave control. Either we want to control situations and the future, or we want to control people and relationships. And I don't mean that in a dominating way for control's sake, but because we want stability, security, predictability in a changing and scary world. 
The problem is, that's never how God intended it to work. When God created us, our limitations, our frailties were part of the plan. We were never meant to rule the world alone. We were meant to care for the world under God. And so weakness is part of the human experience. And so do you see how this whole practice of prayer implies that we are weak and we need help? That's why we pray. And that's why we need armor. Because the fact that we need armor shows that we are fragile and vulnerable. And so God's power is what we need. God's strength is what is required. We can rest in God's protection. We can stop striving, controlling, forcing, and learn to start resting. Learn to keep entrusting things to God, even as we have to sit with uncertainty and fear. With God's strength and mighty power, we can stand firm. So, sure, don't forget to lock your house, buckle your seatbelt, put on warm clothes and take that medication. But don't forget to also suit up with your gospel armour so that you can stand firm in the Lord. Suit up to stand firm. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we acknowledge that there are some... This world is um, a scary place, and that's just the things that we can see. And so, Father, we acknowledge that we are weak and vulnerable, and we need you. And thank you so much, Father, for your son, Jesus, that he has... Uh, already won, gone on the offensive and um, claimed victory over all the powers and authorities in the heavenly places and on earth. And so we need to be in his strength and his armour. So we pray, Father, you would help us to rest in Christ, to take up his armour, to defend ourselves with the gospel, to soak our minds and hearts in the gospel so that we can stand firm and keep standing firm until our general Jesus our King Jesus returns to take us home. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.